Good morning, everyone. If you can turn in your Bibles to um, Matthew chapter 25. We'll look on the screen. Uh, if you've got um, the Bibles open, we'll turn to verse uh, 31, which is titled The Final Judgment. I'll just pray before we, before we read. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word, uh, to hear what you have to say before us, and um, we pray that you will help us to listen intently and to also listen to Glenn as he uh, expands on it. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to come into us as, and to Glenn as he um, shares your word to us this morning. Amen. All right, so starting at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Here ends the reading. Luke. Good morning, everyone. It's good. It's a bit light on today, school holidays. It's good to have you here. Welcome to any of those who are visiting us, a couple of visitors. Good to have you with us. So, um, Good to be able to worship God together. Good to open his word together and uh, wrestle with it, or wrestle together with it. Um, we, over the last uh, couple of months, have been doing uh, a series looking at some of the uh, sort of classic sayings of Jesus. Uh, we've gone, uh, Jesus says, uh, has been sort of the heading. Uh, we've looked at uh, last week, we sort of played around with, um, look at, the, uh, Jesus said, know the book, or know the scriptures. He said, let the children come to me. Uh, previously, we'd looked at Jesus, uh, said, do not worry. Uh, Jesus said, you will receive power. Uh, Jesus said, your treasure is in heaven. So some of these uh, sort of classic 
uh, sayings of Jesus, and we've been uh, looking at them together. Uh, today we're going to do another one of these, one that we just read, that uh, Jesus says, uh, whatever you did uh, for the least of these, you did for me. Uh, we're going to go through uh, this together. Um, this week, as I was preparing for this, and when we had prepared, um, when we were putting this theme together and looking at these passages, uh, this one came up and we thought it was a good idea. And then in uh, preparing this sermon, as I sort of wrestled with um, the text, and it ended up going down a different pathway than I thought it would have. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey. And, um, beca- and, and probably what it made me realise is that if you just take these sayings of Jesus by themselves, um, and you, you can sort of allow them to sort of go in directions that, that you want. <laughs> um, but if you actually take them in the context of the passage that they're written in, uh, they can actually lead you <laughs> down a different path. And I just thought, that's a, it's probably a warning for us. When we hear those sayings of Jesus, um, it would be good to know where do they fit in, in the passage that they're in, where do they fit in the big story uh, to help us understand what they're actually saying here. Because uh, originally I was going to go down um, this path and, and obviously when you, you read that, you think uh, we're going to spend lots of time talking about uh, the least of these, the poor and the needy and the broken and, um, and we're going to get there. But I want us to actually go down the path of, um, which, is, which is I think what Jesus is doing with his disciples as he's teaching on this passage, is to get to the re- more the reason of why. Why we would do this. And so that's what we're going to explore a little bit um, and sort of get there uh, in the end. Um, Yeah, we're going to sort of probably focus a little bit on the, um, the you did for me type thing, why you did it. So Matthew 25, uh, this passage, is a couple of long, pas- uh, long chapters, chapter 24 and chapter 25, and they're pretty sort of lengthy chapters. But uh, chapter 25 is one of the last sort of sermons or discourses that Jesus has probably with his broader disciples. So there's more than, than just probably the 12 here. Uh, after this, he goes to, um, he has the Last Supper with the apostles and he's there with the 12. But this is sort of the last um, sort of sermon discourse that he has with, a, with the broader, um, broader disciples uh, with him. And it begins actually back in chapter 24. Um, and it's, uh, it's when the disciples and Jesus start talking about the last days uh, and actually uh, talk about um, what it's going to happen when uh, the Messiah comes back and the kingdom is established fully in its fullness. And the disciples there actually ask, uh, when's it going to happen? When are these last days going to come? And you know, when are the end times going to happen? When's Jesus going to come? When's the kingdom going to be restored? When's judgment going to come across uh, our enemies? And when uh, are we going to be sort of living uh, with God again? And so Jesus answers them. You would know the classic Jesus says when, when he asks them, when's this going to happen? What does Jesus say? No one knows. <laughs> 
He says, he, Jesus even, it's quite an interesting one because Jesus says, I don't even know. Actually, that's something that's going to be determined by my father. Um, and so, and then Jesus sort of unravels uh, this. If you've got your Bibles, you can have a sort of a flick through uh, chapter 24 and, and, and 25 because chapter 25 is, is, is part of this whole uh, sort of sermon discourse that he has. Uh, and he says, no one knows. Uh, I don't even know. Uh, he also warns them that um, don't be deceived because there are going to people come who are claiming to be the Messiah, but they're not. They're going, there's, there are going to be people who are claiming uh, to be God, come back again, uh, but they're not. And he then goes on to say, when I come back again and establish the kingdom in its fullness, everyone on earth will know. There will be no doubting. It will be um, a spectacle beyond compare. Everyone will know. Um, it'll be a supernatural event. So don't be deceived by people sort of coming and claiming uh, things. So he gives them, he gives them that warning. Uh, and then he says, I want you to be uh, the other, the, the uh, train of thought that comes uh, through these teachings is, um, but I want you to be ready. Because you don't know when I'm coming back, I want you to be ready. And I want you to be prepared. Um, and he talks about, he says, if you look around the world, you will recognize that there are warning signs saying that all is not right with the world. And he talks a bit about famines and wars and um, suffering and stuff like that and evil being at work. And he says, these are signs that all is not well, so be prepared because I'm coming back. And when I come back, these things will be judged. These things will be brought to justice. Um, so you be ready uh, for that. Um, he lets the followers know, he lets his disciples know that in those last days, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for you guys um, in this um, in this last time, there's going to be a battle of evil. Uh, the world is actually not going to accept your, your message uh, in that as well, or my message in that. Um, and, but then he goes down this path and he says, but when I do come back, I'm going to come back differently than when I first came. So when I first came, I've come, so John 3.16, I came into the world um, not to condemn the world but to save it. Jesus comes into the world to start to save. When he comes back again the second time, it's a different emphasis. And he says that when I come back at the end, I'm going to come back as judge. And actually, I'm going to call this world to account. I'm going to call people to account uh, for how they have lived uh, in this world. Um, in there, he says, um, so uh, in there, he, and then he gives a little bit of a description what that's going to be like. Uh, you read some of those rapture passages, like, you know, one person's in the field and, uh, sorry, two people in the field, one's gone and um, one stays and um, those sort of ideas. And there, Jesus is giving this picture of um, judgment's going to come on the, on the world. The way, there's some sort of different ideas and, and, and thoughts and um, uh, understandings of this but probably the best way that I understand it if you look in the sort of the broader story is that Jesus is going to come back when he comes back and he's going to judge the world the, the creation and there's this sense that he's going to recreate it and refine it and how do you refine things you refine things with fire and a lot of the last judgment type stuff is is language around fire and um, and purifying and stuff like that and so there's this sense that as Jesus comes back um, to the earth, which is a mess and needs to be judged, he is going to call his people 
up to him, sort of off the earth. And then he's going to bring judgment on the earth. He's going to purify it. And then he's going to return to the new earth and the new heaven with his people again. And he gives that picture. That's what I'm coming to do when I come back next time. And I think, if we think about this, we like justice. We like judgment. It's not that nice to talk about it, but we actually like it. We need it. And actually, judgment is actually a sign of God's love. And the reason that he's going to bring that judgment is that he's going to bring justice. Because he says it's not right that people have been living this way. It's not right that evil has been uh, doing what it has. And I'm actually going to bring that to account. And he says uh, a number of times there that uh, he's going to bring justice and the consequences are, are not nice. I, I, don't, I didn't particularly want to have um, the Jesus says topic of uh, that we just read the consequences, you know, cut him to pieces and send him out with the hypocrites and where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's actually three times through this sort of whole, or three or four times through this, he says this is, um, this is a consequence of evil, consequences of sin, which I told you from the beginning that you would die and it would be hell. It would be separation from God. Because when we, we, we know that we need this and we want this, and it's, it's like the justice system today. We don't want murderers or um, thieves or pedophiles or whatever just to get away with what they've done. We actually, we actually want that to be brought to justice. And God says the way that the consequences of sin is death. And so that's what actually needs to be met here. And the world needs to be purified from that so that I can be restored to living with you in the new heaven and the new earth. And so we have this tension, and it's the tension that we live in, isn't it? How do we deal with this reality of judgment coming on the earth and... um, living as followers of Christ. And then um, what happens in this, uh, in this passage? In cha- so that's sort, of 20, that's sort of chapter 25, uh, 4. And then in chapter 25, we get three parables that Jesus uses. Parables are sort of word pictures. He gives three parables of what this is going to look like or what you need to know about this reality. Uh, and in those uh, parables, if you have a flick through there, you can see um, see the headings there in your Bibles. They might have different headings. There's uh, the parable of the, the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, the parable of the sheep and the goats. And there, the ten virgins, um, they're sort of called wise and foolish. And the, the issue in, in that parable is whether they're prepared or not. 
And so they're waiting for a bride bridegroom and then the bridegroom turns up and they're getting this sort of cultural stuff. They're, they're, often that would take a time for that to happen. It could be days. They're waiting. Uh, it comes overnight. They don't have any oil because they didn't come prepared. And there is this sense that God's saying, um, you need to be prepared because my coming could be a while. <laughs> you don't know when it's going to be, but be prepared. I'm coming back. Be in it for the long haul. Uh, there's almost a sense of don't get caught napping. Uh, and there is a sense uh, here in, these sermon, in this uh, sort of last sort of sermon of urgency. You need to live out every day almost as if it's your last. Be prepared um, to live an intentional life. Live intentionally that this could happen. I could be back here tomorrow or I could be back here later on, but there's an urgency about it. So be prepared and be prepared to uh, live out the way I've told you to live. And then uh, we get the talents. So that's the, the talents uh, parable, which you, uh, Andrew sort of touched on in the treasure type thing. Of given, some are given five, some are given two, some are given one. And there's this idea that the talents are to be put to work here on earth. Um, the one person that took it and buried it in the ground um, was the one that was actually called to judgment. And it was that, that idea that while you're in here, here on earth, you need to live this out. Don't just go and bury the truth. You need to actually live out this truth of the big story of God, of who God is and who you are because of him. And at the end of that, uh, the servants are commended for their faithfulness um, or condemned uh, against uh, their laziness or their rejecting it. Because in that issue, what the problem is that, they, that the lazy servant didn't actually believe that it was true. And so he was actually... Um, not believing that God was who he said he was. And then the consequences of these things that keeps coming through is um, there is a consequence of it. There is judgment, there is death, there is hell that uh, comes as a consequence of rejecting God and not living according to his ways. And then comes our passage. Uh, so ESV titles that I think the final judgment, the NIV titles it to sheep and goats. Many of us will know uh, that parable. And there's this sense that when I do come back, Jesus is saying, when I come back and when I come back to judge with the angels, um, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats um, and I, I want to see if I can find faith on earth. I want to see that my people are prepared and living for me and with me uh, in that time. And where this passage takes us is um, the separation of the sheep and goats is, this is internal judgment. So this is, he's talking about the sheep and the goats. So they're in the fold, like in, in those days the sheep and the goats were together. So they're, they're in the fold. So this is Israel. Or, if we sort of interpret it into, this is us, the church. We will be judged as well. This is not judge, just judgment for those outside, but it's also um, for the church, for those inside the church. And the words that he brings to us are quite convicting, aren't they? These words that Jesus, they're confronting and they're convicting. Because he basically says, if you're not living this out, I actually question whether you actually have faith. And faith, and I think this is sort of where the heart of the passage is, faith shows itself out in um, the way you live and what you do. 
And so uh, he separates the, the sheep and the goats. Uh, he judges them uh, for what they've done. And then they, there's this strange thing in there because uh, the people are almost surprised when he says, well, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And they're almost surprised. And I think there is this surprise that, well, we've just been living out what you told us to. We've got your scriptures, we've got what you've told, and we've been living it out. That's what, and then Jesus says, yeah, you've been living it out because you know me and you believe me and you have faith in me. And that's affected the way now that you love and uh, serve others. We were just doing what you said. <laughs> love God, love your neighbour. Love your neighbour as yourself. And then the reverse of that, whatever you did not do for these, you did not do for me. There's a sense that as you reject uh, those in need around you, you've rejected Jesus. And there is, again, Jesus doesn't hold back in saying there's a judgment uh, as a result of that. That you haven't chosen to live and believe who I am. And these are <laughs> confronting, warning, uh, confronting words. But I think what Jesus is doing here at the end of his, his messages he's with is um, to bring a warning. And that's what a loving God does. That's what a loving father does. If you think about the parent-child relationship, if you don't give your kids warnings... <laughs> about the consequences of their behaviour, then you're actually not loving. And Jesus, uh, as he's interacting with his disciples, he's saying, I love you guys, and I, and I love the world, and I want them to have this warning that there are consequences for not believing in me. There are consequences of not uh, living with me. And he gives them a warning. He gives us a warning. Don't become complacent. And that's a good thing. It's, it's right and it's, and it's justice. And um, we know that this works. I think there's, you know, in, if you read any of the sort of parenting stuff or the culture stuff today, where, you know, we're seeing the consequences of permissive parenting, where there were no, cons there were no consequences brought in for bad behaviour of our kids and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, they're, you know, we're watering down sort of the consequences of things. And that we actually need to know and we need to give a warning that there are consequences of things. And there's a consequence of, of not believing in God and Jesus Christ, his son. But this also shows us that we need to take this passage into the broader context of the book of Matthew and into the broader context of the Bible. Because I think if you left it here, it's pretty horrible. It's pretty, if you just left it here, and I, I think sometimes when you, if you just leave it at this, it basically, it, it, it can drive us to a works-based faith. It can drive us to 
I've just got to help the poor more. I've got to feed more people. I've got to do more hospi hospitality. I've got to clothe. I've got to visit more people. And if, if I don't do that, then the concept. And it can lead us to think that God is a horrible God and someone to be scared of and fearful of. He's just this big ogre looking to see whether we've done enough for him. And that's where I found myself going when I first started writing a sermon on this. <laughs> it's to make you guys feel bad that you're not doing this enough, so you've got to do it more. <laughs> and I thought, nah, that's it. And so what we find is chapter 25 comes right before chapter 26. Two verses later. Jesus finished this sermon two verses later. He says, you know that the Passover is coming. He's talking to his disciples. It's only two days away and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. And chapter 26, chapter 27, chapter 28, <laughs> Jesus puts this passage into the broader perspective of the good news of the story of God. That while we were still sinners, while we were still not living that out, Jesus said, I will take the punishment on me. The consequences of your sin will be put on me and I will die. And that death is not just a physical death. That punishment, that consequence is what Jesus was saying, which, which, which was hell, which is... And he describes it a couple of different ways. Sometimes in the Bible it's described as fire and suffering and sulfur and all that sort of stuff. Other times it's described as darkness and blackness. and um, Whatever it is, it's separation from God. It's a place where God is not. And in that place it is um, horrible. And so Jesus says, I will take that upon me. And he goes to the cross. And remember what he says on the cross just as he's dying. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And basically saying, my God, my God, why have you sent me to hell? He knows the answer. He said, I'm going to take upon me the consequences of hell, the consequences of all people's sin. I'm going to take the wrath of God poured out on me so that whoever believes that in me can have forgiveness of sins and life with my Father forever. That's good news. And that news um, is going to help us to think about how to apply this passage that we've just read. We remember that Jesus was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. That whoever believes in him would not die but have eternal life. And if you think about some of the Jewish audience that Matthew particularly is writing to, you see, they thought this was going to save them. They thought doing more good things was going to save them. They thought if they help people more, 
They serve more, they give more, they do more. But what they were recognising is that the more they tried, the more it became a burden to them. And Matthew's Gospel sort of finishes off to the Jewish people. It says, the law won't save you, but the Messiah will. The Lamb of God, the King, King Jesus, the Saviour King, will come and take uh, the punishment that should have been ours upon himself so that whoever believes in him would not die but have eternal life. The Messiah has come. And he has brought, uh, now now there's not a covenant of law, but there's a covenant of grace. And as I've said many times, uh, Christianity is um, it's do versus done, isn't it? That all other religions and worldviews follow that if you just take it by itself, in that you have to do more, be more, to please the gods or to be successful. Whereas Christianity is the only religion worldview that says you can't do anything. I've done it for you. And Jesus fulfills the law. Jesus uh, obeys his father perfectly, takes upon himself our punishment and then freely gives it as a gift to us. And so therefore in this passage he says... What I now want you to do is I want you to take that reality and love God and love your neighbour. Love God and love your neighbour as yourself. And he says, this has got to be lived out in your life. It's not just, it just can't be your head. You can, it's, this is not just about knowing it, but it's actually about living it out. Earlier on in Matthew, you remember this Maybe many of you remember this where um, Jesus is again confronting the people where it says uh, they came to him and they said, uh, we prophesied in your name, we drove out demons in your name, we performed miracles in your name and Jesus says, go away from me, I never knew you. And there was, not, there was that sense that you can do all this sort of stuff but unless you believe Jesus for who he is, Unless you put your faith in him and begin to get your identity in him, all the stuff that you do doesn't mean anything. Unless you believe there is a God who has come to save the world and free you for his purposes in it, then don't bother doing all the other stuff. And so he says, my faithful servant is the one who hears my words, believes them, and then puts them into practice. Then actually begins to live out this reality. And then uh, Jesus says, whatever you did, the, the least of these you did for me. Because we understand in the big story of the Bible that all people are created as the image bearers of God. And so all people, all the people that God puts in our paths, are seen, we can see as Christ. They are the image bearers. And how would we love Christ? How would we serve Christ? How would we... Uh, Show love to him. And so this uh, broader, uh, the broader passage and, and, the, uh, and the broader um, book of Matthew brings us to this place where it actually now frees us to live a life of thanks, a life of worship, a life of service, just as our Saviour King has shown us. He's told us, and he's taught us when we ask, well, who is our neighbour? 
if we're to love our neighbour as ourselves, you know, we remember the Good Samaritan. Basically, he's saying, your neighbour and the one that I'm ca- calling you to love is anyone I put, you in my, put, in my, put in your path. And then when we look at the broader story, from the beginning to the end, God says, I put a high priority on the poor, on the needy, on the broken, and the oppressed. And I'm going to bring them into your path, and I want you to, I want you to live out the good news for them. I want to, you to live out the good news that you've received. And if we think about the gospel, we think, because he says, because you know this. If you believe Jesus for who he is, and you believe God is for who he is, then you know this because you've experienced it. And then he says, let, let me tell you. Remember that you are hungry because I fed you with the bread of life. Jesus was the bread of life. It's actually going to sustain us. Bread, bread of heaven, sorry, bread from heaven. And he said, you were thirsty, you were spiritually thirsty, and I gave you the water of life. The good news of Jesus, the Holy Spirit to come in. Streams of living water will flow through and you will drink so much of it. He says, you know what it, what it means to be naked and to be clothed because I've clothed you with righteousness. My works is, you are now uh, radiant in glory, in clothed with righteousness from, from what I have done for you. He says, you knew what it was like to be homeless, and I've invited you into the family. More than that, I've actually adopted you into the family. You know what it is to have true hospitality shown to you. He said, you know what, it like, what it's like to be in the prison of sin, to be held down by its bird, and I have freed you from that. I have come to you in your oppressed state, and I have freed you from it. And so then Jesus says, now that you know it, I want you to go and live it. I want you to share that with the least of these. Because that's your spiritual act of worship. That's the way you say thanks. That's what obedience is, by saying thanks to God for who he is and who we are because of him. And so in this passage, Jesus gives us, like any loving father would, he gives us a severe warning of the consequences. And then he gives us the good news of how we can actually live that out in and through him. And that our faith was credited us as righteousness so that we can be right with God, so that we can receive the Holy Spirit and be a power to live this out with whoever God puts in our path. So this can empower you to take steps to engage with the least of these and to think about how we're serving Christ in that. I was thinking about it's this good news, it's this understanding of uh, transformation and who we now are that probably um, stimulates uh, people to take a step 
into the least of these. I was thinking of um, Legend Project, Jamie and Anna and others that are involved in that, in taking this good news to the homeless. I was thinking about it, it was, it was actually that good news that stimulated me to have a focus on orphans and widows and get involved in hope builders and, and that. It was that good news that takes me out of my house on a Saturday afternoon to go and knock on my neighbour's door. So he's come over and have some hospitality and <laughs> let me tell you why I do that. Might not happen the first time or the second time, but it's actually driving me to share the good news with the poor, the broken, the oppressed. So this Sunday, I hope you hear Christ's warning and know his good news, which he achieved through us through his death, resurrection, ascension, by sending us his spirit and now saying, live it out for my glory. Let's pray.